ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سنادن ابن ابي داود says وقل يخرج الله العظيم بفضله من النار اجسادا من الفحم تطرح على النهر في الفردوس تحيا بمائه كحب حميل السيل اذ جاء يطفح this section of the poem is talking about the Muslims who were upon Tawheed but they had committed sins which outweighed their good deeds and so they ended up in the hellfire. But will they stay in the hellfire forever? No, because they died upon Tawheed. So they will go into the hellfire for a certain period of time and then after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take them out of the fire. So as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, هَذِهِ مَسْأَلَةُ الْعُصَاتِ مِنَ الْمُوَحِّدِينَ الَّذِينَ عِنْدَهُمْ كَبَائِرُ وَلَكِنَّهَا دُونَ الشِّرْكِ فَهَاُولَاءِ يُعْتَبَرُونَ مُؤْمِنِينَ مُوَحِّدِينَ وَلَكِنَّ إِيمَانَهُمْ وَتَوْحِيدَهُمْ نَاقِصْ فَإِنَّهُمْ لَا يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْإِسْلَامِ This topic, he says, is talking about the عُصَات the عُصَاتُ الْمُوَحِّدِينَ the sinners from the Muslims who died and they had committed certain major sins and so they ended up in the hellfire. But that does not mean that they are kuffar. They ended up in the hellfire, but that does not mean they are disbelievers. They are the sinners of the people of Tawheed. Usatul Muahideen. They will enter the hellfire for a certain period of time to be punished upon their sins. And then once they are purified, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take them out of the hellfire and into paradise. But the people of innovation like the Khawarij, they and the Mu'tazila, those kinds of individuals, they claim that a person who dies upon a major sin will enter hellfire forever as a disbeliever and there are others we're going to get to the details who claim that a person who commits sins it will not affect him at all as long as he says la ilaha illallah like the murji'ah but here we say that the people who committed the major sins then on that day they are تحت المشيئه under the will of Allah if Allah wills they may be forgiven but some of them Allah may will that they will be 
punished initially in the hellfire. But even if they are punished, the key is they will not remain in the fire forever. فَالنَّارُ يَدُخُلُهَا الْكَافِرُ وَالْمُشْرِكُ وَقَدْ يَدُخُلُهَا الْمُؤْمِنُ الْمَوَحِّدُ بِذُنُوبِهِ So the fire, the disbelievers, the mushrikun, they will all enter the fire. And some of the Muslims may enter the fire too. From the ones who had the major sins and they are being punished for a certain amount of time and then they will be exited, taken out from the hellfire. But the khawarij, like we said, they claim that a person who dies upon a major sin, not having repented from it, that such a person is a kafir who will remain in the hellfire forever. And that is a misguided belief of the Khawarij. And the Mu'tazila, they claim that a person who dies upon a major sin ends up in a place between two places. يَخْرُجُ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ وَلَا يَدْخُلُ فِي الْكُفْرِ فَهُوَ فِي مَنْزِلَ بَيْنَا الْمَنْزِلَتَيْنِ they say that a person who dies upon a major sin does not exit from the fold of Islam, but neither does he enter into the fold of kufr. So he's in limbo, in a location or a place between two places. But then when he dies, if he dies without repenting, then they say likewise he will end up in the hellfire forever. But what is the proof that the believers will not end up in the hellfire forever, even if they end up in there temporarily to be punished for a while? The evidence is in the Quran when Allah told us, "Inna Allah la yawfiru an yushraka bih, wa yawfiru maduna thalika liman yasha." That Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk with Him. Allah doesn't forgive that. If you die upon shirk, you will be in the hellfire forever. But then in the ayah it says, Allah forgives all else to whom He wills. Meaning any other sin, even the major sins, they will be forgiven in the end. They'll be forgiven in the end. Or those people, meaning they will be punished for a time, but then they will be taken out from the fire. In a hadith it mentions in Muslim, hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, or in the first hadith of al-Bukhari and Muslim of Anas, radiyallahu anhu, where it says, in talik, فَمَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ أَدْنَى 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 مِثْقَالِ حَبَّهِ خَرْدَلْ مِنْ إِيمَانِ فَأَخْرِجُهُ مِنَ النَّارِ Go, and whoever has even the smallest, 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 the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest amount of iman, then take them out from the fire. So everybody who died upon iman as believers will eventually definitely exit from the hellfire. 
a person of Tawheed does not remain in the hellfire. So that's what Ibn Abi Dawood is highlighting in those verses of the poem, the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah regarding the Usatul Muhideen, the sinners from the Muslims who may have committed major sins, etc., that they will be under the will of Allah. Allah may forgive them, but Allah may will to punish them. And if they are punished, then they will not be punished forever. But they will be punished for a certain time and then taken out of the fire because a person who dies upon Iman, even the tiniest amount of Iman, will not remain in the hellfire forever. And then, وَإِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لِلْخَلْقِ شَافِعٌ وَقُلْ فِي عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ حَقٌ مُوَضَّحُ In this section now, the author is going to talk about two more topics about the Day of Judgment. One of them is the topic of intercession, and the other one is the topic of the punishment of the grave. Previously we spoke about the trial of the grave, but now it is about the punishment of the grave. So he's going to mention these two topics here now. Firstly then, if we look at the section regarding the punishment of the grave, it is the madhab of the salaf, that a person when he dies, he will be in either blessing or punishment. It is the madhab of the salaf, the belief, the correct position of the salaf, that everybody who dies, they will then be either in a state of blessing or in a state of punishment. And we normally say, Adabul qabr, the punishment of the grave, but even if a person didn't, get buried they weren't actually buried they were lost out at sea or they were eaten by a predatory animal or they were burnt and so they were never buried it doesn't make a difference all of them will be exposed to either the blessing or the punishment in the barzakh and what is the evidence for that? One example is in Surah Ghafir 45 and 46. It's mentioned that the people of Pharaoh, they will all be encompassed by a evil punishment. They will all be encompassed by an evil punishment. They will be exposed to the fire day and night, morning and afternoon. They will be exposed to the fire burning in the fire then when the hour is established 
it will be said now put them into a more severe punishment what is the more severe punishment they will be put into on the day of judgment the hellfire but this ayah says they are already being exposed to the fire being burnt in the fire morning and afternoon but if they're not in the hellfire yet they're only going to be put into the hellfire on the day of judgment then what fire are they in right now temporary fire where in the grave in the barzakh this proves the punishment of the grave because the ayah says they are being exposed to the fire morning and afternoon but then and then when the day of judgment happens when the hour is established it will then be said now put them into a more severe punishment what is the more severe punishment on the day of judgment? The hellfire. Which means right now this fire that the ayah is telling us they are in is not the hellfire yet. So what is it then? The fire of the barzakh, the punishment of the grave. So that is a proof for the punishment of the grave. There is also another proof that everybody will have memorized everybody will know as a proof for the punishment of the grave what you read in the prayer Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min min adhab al-qabr what does that mean? oh Allah I seek refuge from the punishment of the grave clear evidence that the punishment of the grave exists in the prayer that is what you read in the final section, in the final tashahud, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adhab al-qabr. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the punishment of the grave. And there are many other evidences as well, many ayat, many ahadith that prove the punishment of the grave. Some other examples from the hadith. Uh, from the narrations in the Sunnah, you have, for example, the Hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Hadith of Anas: Lola alla tadafanu, ladaoutullah an yusmi'akum min adab al-qabr." That was it not for the fact that you would not bury your dead. Then I would have made dua to Allah to allow you to hear the punishment of the grave. Can we hear the people being punished in their graves right now? We cannot. The messenger said, was it not for the fact you would not bury your dead? Then I would have made dua to Allah to allow you to hear the punishment of the grave. And the meaning of the hadith is that we are incapable of hearing that. If we heard the screams of the people being punished in their graves, we would die upon hearing that. We would not be able to handle hearing that. 
And so that's what the messenger was highlighting. You would not bury your dead, then you wouldn't handle it. You wouldn't be able to uh, uh, burden hearing all of that. You would die yourselves if you heard all of that. And so he mentioned that's why you do not hear the punishments of those in their graves. Was it not for that? Then I would have made dua to Allah to allow you to hear the punishment of the grave. There's also the famous hadith, مَرَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى الله عليه وسلم بِقَبَرَيْنِ فَقَالْ إِنَّهُمَا لَيُعَذَّبَانِ When the Prophet وسلم, walked past two graves and he said, they are being punished. And there are also evidences about the blessings of the grave. Hadith of Ka'ab ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى الله عليه وسلم قال نَسَمَةُ الْمُؤْمِنِ طَائِرٌ يَعْلُقُ أَنْ يَأْكُلُ وَيَرْعَى فِي شَجَرِ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى يَرُدَّهَا اللَّهُ إِلَى جَسَدِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That the soul of a believer is in the body of a bird that flies and eats from the trees of paradise until Allah returns that soul to its body on the day of judgment for the resurrection. So this indicates that the punishment and the blessings of the grave are proven in the evidences of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. One issue that arises here is هَلْ عَذَابُ الْقَبْرِ وَنَعِيمُهُ متعلق بالروح أم البدن أم بكليهما That is the punishment of the grave and the blessing of the grave connected to the soul only or to the soul and the body or just the body when somebody dies and they are buried and the punishment of the grave happens does it happen on their soul or does it happen on their physical body as well or is it just the body or just the soul just the soul both so there are three opinions about that. القول الأول أن ذلك واقع على الروح دون الجسد وهذا قول ابن حزم وابن الجوزي وغيرهم that the first opinion is the punishment and the blessing in the grave when you bury the body of that person. It doesn't happen to the body, it only happens to the soul. The soul experiences the punishment and the blessing. That is opinion one. The opinion of Ibn Hazm, Ibn al-Jawzi and others. وَتَعْلِيلُهُمْ قَالُوا أَنَّ عَذَابَ الْقَبْرِ لَا أَثَرَ لَهُ فِي الشَّاهِدِ عَلَى الْأَجْسَادِ مِنْ جِهَةِ ضِيقِ الْقَبْرِ وَوُسْعِهِ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكِ بِمَعْنَى آخر أنهم يقولون أننا لو فتحنا القبر فإننا لا نرى العذاب على الجسد فيدل هذا على أن العذاب على الروح. They said the physical punishment or physical blessings cannot be witnessed upon the body of that person. If you were to dig up somebody who's been buried now, would you see them with physical beatings on their body, marks on their body where they are being beaten by the angels? Would you see that? Nothing. So they said, look, you can dig someone up and you won't see any physical marks on their body. So this must mean that the punishment and the blessings of the grave only happens to the 
So that's the first opinion. القول الثاني أن ذلك واقع على الجسد دون الروح وأن الله يخلق في الميت إدراكا به يسمع وبه يعلم وبه يلتذ ويألم وغير ذلك وهذا القول قال به ابن جرير الطبري The second opinion is that it happens the punishment and the blessing of the grave just on the body of that person, not his soul. Just on the body of that person, not his soul. But what evidence have they got for that? There is a hadith. Daleeluhum anna Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam amara yawma badarin bi arba'a وعشرين رجلا من صناديد قريش فقضفوا في طوي من أطواء بدر خبيف مخبف ثم جعل يناديهم بأسمائهم وأسماء آبائهم يا فلان ابن فلان يا فلان ابن فلان أيسركم أنكم أطعتم الله ورسوله فإنا قد وجدنا ما, وعد ما وعدنا ربنا حقا فهل وجدت ما وعد ربكم حقا قال عمر يا رسول الله ما تكلم من أجساد لا أرواح لها فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والذي نفس محمد بيد ما أنتم بأسمع لما أقول منه They use this hadith as an evidence that after the battle of Badr when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم buried uh, 24 from the heads of the Quraysh in a ditch He was then calling out to them Have you got what Allah promised you? We have got what Allah promised us so then Umar said, O Messenger of Allah, how come you're talking to them? They're just bodies now. Bodies dead, their souls are gone. Meaning they can't hear anything. Why are you talking to them now? Bodies. The Messenger said, The Messenger said, By the one whom my soul is in his hand, you cannot hear better than they can. Meaning they can hear just like you can hear. So this seems to indicate that even in just the body of a person, Allah creates senses in the physical body of a person separate from his soul. And that body then experiences punishment and blessing. It's an opinion that exists, but it's not a strong opinion at all. The third, Al-Qawl Al-Thalith, Anna Al-Adhaba Wal-Na'ima Waqi'un Ala Al-Ruhi Wal-Badan Ma'an so the third opinion is that the blessings and the punishments of the grave occur upon the soul and the body of the person upon the soul and the body of the person so sometimes the soul may be given the punishments and the blessings and sometimes the soul along with the body physically and what about what the first opinion said? But if you dig it up, you won't see anything on the body. How do we explain that to them then? How can we say it's on the body as well? Soul and the body. But how when you dig it up, there's nothing on the body? Sort of, yes. Because it is from the knowledge of the unseen. It is al-ghayb. What happens in the barzakh is from the knowledge of the unseen. You can put a camera into somebody's grave that you bury, you won't see anything. You won't see the angels coming to them, nothing. All of that is from the unseen to us. So the third opinion is the strongest and correct opinion. 
القول الثالث هذا هو مذهب سلف الأمة وإمتها شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية هي منشن بل العذاب النعيم على النفس والبدن جميعا باتفاق أهل سنة والجماعة he mentioned it is by agreement of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah that the punishment and the blessings of the uh, grave occur on both the body and the soul. It doesn't matter if they are cremated, if anything happens to them, burnt, eaten by an animal, all of this occurs in the uh, affairs of the unseen, and so that person is given the punishments and the blessings upon their body and their soul and even if their body became non-existent we know when the resurrection occurs all of their bodies will come back then the final point to mention regarding the punishments and the blessings of the grave what are some of the types of sins that make it more likely for you to get punishment of the grave some examples some examples of the types of sins that make it more likely for you to get punishment of the grave. One of them is the hadith of Ibn Umar anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Bainama rajalun yajurru izarahu min al-khuyala khusifa bihi fahuwa yatajaljalu fi al-ardi ila yawm al-qiyamah wa inda muslim fahuwa yatajaljalu fi al-ardi hatta taquma sa'ah this is regarding the men who wear their clothes long below the ankles. It is haram and impermissible for a man to wear his garments below his ankles. And it is a mistake that some people think that is only if you do it with, with the uh, pride. Because the hadith says, Min al They say, I'm not proud. They say, I have no arrogance, no proud, I'm humble. I'm just wearing it, I'm humble. I have no uh, pride, arrogance, khuyala, doesn't exist. But that is incorrect because there is a different narration, another riwayah, another hadith, where it mentions that anything below the ankles, taht al-ka'bain is, or asfal al-ka'bain is, finnar, it doesn't mention al-khuyala or anything. So one hadith tells you the punishment if you do that with arrogance and the other one tells you the punishment if you do it without arrogance, meaning with or without arrogance, there is a punishment for both. So this is one of them. This is one of the reasons for the punishment of the grave. Also from that uh, lying, al-kathib, the one who lies, then it's mentioned in some narrations about the one uh, his uh, face is being uh, hit uh, it's, been, it's been split open For the one who used to lie And his lies used to spread across the horizons Also the one who used to uh, spread the namima The one who used to spread the tail carrying And the one who never used to look after himself When urinating the same hadith that same hadith In the other riwayah A person who never used to cover himself From the eyes of the people when urinating Or never used to be careful when urinating And all the splashes used to go on him That's why it is the sunnah for the men as well To sit and urinate Not to stand up as the kuffar they show you
to sit and urinate to make sure the splashes do not go on you. What about some of the reasons that will protect you from the punishment of the grave? Asbab al-wiqayah min adab al-qabr. Firstly, asbab al-awwal, al-shahada fi sabilillah. The one who dies as a martyr in the path of Allah. That's mentioned as one of the reasons to be protected from the punishment of the grave. Another reason, man mata bida'il batn. Whoever dies from a disease of the stomach. Whoever dies due to a disease of the stomach. Fa'an Abdullah ibn Yasar qal kuntu jalisan wa Suleyman ibn Sart wa Khalid ibn Arfatah. فَذَكَرُوا أَنَّ رَجُلًا تُوفِيَ مَاتَ بِبَطْنِهِ فَإِذَا هُمَا يَشْتَهِيَانِ أَنْ يَكُونَ شُهَدَاءَ جَنَازَتِهِ فَقَالَ أَحَدُهُمَا لِلْآخَرِ أَلَمْ يَقُلْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَنْ يَقْتُلُهُ بَطْنُهُ فَلَنْ يُعَذَّبَ فِي قَبَرِهِ فَقَالَ الْآخَرِ بَلَى This hadith is mentioned authenticated sahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah
which is intercession. The intercession that occurs on the day of judgment, then this intercession, shafa'a in the Arabic language, it means something which is even. Because you have odd numbers and you have even numbers. Something which is even, an even number, that's where the word shafa'a comes from. Because one person is going to speak on behalf of another person. So there's how many of them? One or two? Two of them, an even number. One of them is going to speak on behalf of another one. So that then makes a pair of them. It's an even number, shafa'a. So there is certain types. There are certain types of shafa'a that are proven in the Quran and the Sunnah. And there are certain types of shafa'a that are haram and impermissible. So what are the conditions for the shafa'a to be muthbata? Shafa'a to be legitimate and correct. Firstly, Rida Allah ani shafi' that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with the one making the intercession. Allah be pleased with the one making the intercession. يَوْمَئِذٍ لَا تَنْفَعُ الشَّفَاعَةُ إِلَّا مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّحْمَانِ وَرَضِيَ لَهُ قَوْلًا The one who is interceding, Allah must be pleased with him, meaning that person must be a person of tawheed. And then secondly, رِضَ اللَّهِ عَنِ الْمَشْفُوعِ لَهُ That the one who the intercession is being made for, that person must be someone Allah is pleased with, i.e., he must be a person of Tawheed also. And the third condition you can mention, some of the scholars, they break it down, is that you must have the permission of Allah, that nobody can make any intercession except by the Idhn of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So on the Day of Judgment, certain types of intercession are going to occur. The first one, Ash-Shafa'ah, نعم أجمع أهل العلم على أن للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاث شفاعات خاصة به that there are three intercessions that are specific to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم there are three intercessions that only the messenger can make first one الشفاعة الخاصة وهي المقام المحمود قال الله تعالى عسى أن يبعثك ربك مقاما محمودا وهذه الشفاعة هي في فصل القضاء لجميع الخلائق حين يشتد بهم الموقف فعن بهريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يجمع الله الناس الأولين والآخرين في سعيد واحد يسمعهم الداعي وينفذهم البصر That the people, all of them, they are going to be gathered on the land of resurrection for the accountability to occur. When they are gathered together, وتدنوا الشمس And the sun will be brought close to them. And the heat and the sweat and the calamities that they will see on that day, then they will look at each other when they can't handle it. They can't burden all of that and they cannot handle all of that. 
Then they will look at each other فَيَقُولُ النَّاسِ أَلَا تَرَوْنَ مَا قَدْ بَلَغَكُمْ أَلَا تَنْظُرُونَ مَنْ يَشْفَعْ لَكُمْ إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ They say, look at what we are in, look at this calamity. Can you not find anyone who can intercede for us with Allah? فَيَقُولُ بَعْضُ النَّاسِ لِبَعْضُ عَلَيْكُمْ بِآدَمْ so some of them say to the others, Upon you is Adam alayhi salam. Go to him. فَيَأْتُونَ آدَمَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فَيَقُولُونَ لَهُ أَنْتَ أَبُوا الْبَشَرِ خَلَقَكَ اللَّهُ بِيَدِهِ وَنَفَخَ فِيكَ مِنْ رُوحِهِ وَأَمَرَ الْمَلَائِكَةَ فَسَجَدُوا لَكَ إِشْفَعْ لَنَا إِلَى رَبِّكَ أَلَا تَرَى إِلَى مَا نَحْنُ فِيهِ أَلَا تَرَى إِلَى مَا قَدْ بَلَغَنَا so they go to Adam alayhi salam and they say to him, You, O Adam, are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his hand and blew into you from his souls and commanded the angels and they prostrated to you. Intercede for us. Can you not see what calamity we are in? Can you not see what has become of us? Adam, إِنَّ رَبِّي قَدْ غَضِبَ الْيَوْمَ غَضَبًا لَمْ يَغْضَبْ قَبْلَهُ مِثْلَهُ وَلَنْ يَغْضَبْ بَعْدَهُ مِثْلَهُ Adam alayhi salam says that indeed today Allah is angered to a level that he has not been angered like this before and he will not be angered like this after وَإِنَّهُ نَهَانِ عَنِ شَجَرَةِ فَعَصَيْتُهُ نَفْسِي 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 so then Adam salam will say to them that Allah prohibited me from the tree, but I ate from it. So he will say, myself, 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 go to someone other than me. Go to Nuh salam. يَأْتُونَ نُوحًا فَيَقُولُونَ يَا نُوحِ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ أَوَّلُ الرُّسُلِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ وَقَدْ سَمَّاكَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا إِشْفَعْ لَنَا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ they go to Nuh and they say, O Nuh, you are the first of the messengers to the people of the earth and Allah named you and called you as a grateful servant. Intercede for us. So then he will say the same thing about the anger of Allah and then he will mention, وَإِنَّهُ قَدْ كَانَتْ لِي دَعْوَ دَعَوْتُهَا عَلَىٰ قَوْمِي نَفْسِي 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 إِذْهَبُوا إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ إِذْهَبُوا إِلَىٰ إِبْرَهِيمِ He will say, أَحَدَ دُعَا he will say, I had a dua which I already made upon my people. Go to other than me, go to Ibrahim. They go to him and they say, You are the Khalil of Allah, the most beloved of Allah to Ibrahim. Intercede for us. He will say the same to them about the anger of Allah, etc. And then he will excuse himself also. He will say, وَإِنِّي قَدْ كُنْتُ كَذَبْتُ ثَلَاثَ كَذَبَاتِ فَذَكَرَهُنَّ Abu Hayyan fil hadith in the, in the narration. Ibrahim alayhi salam says that I lied three lies. And those three events they are mentioned and they are not considered as lies but they were considered as what you may call being economic with the truth. But he mentions those statements and he says, because of that, myself, 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 go to someone else, idhabu ila Musa. So they come to Musa, anta Rasulullah, fadwalaka Allahu bi risalatihi wa bi kalamihi ala nas, ishfa'lana. 
that Allah has bestowed upon you his message and Allah favored you by speaking to you directly. Kalimullah. So make the intercession for us. But again, he will say, Inni qad qataltu nafsan lam umar biqatliha. That I killed a person that I was not commanded to kill. So nafsi, 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 idhabu ila ghayri, idhabu ila Isa. So then they go to Isa alayhi salam. They say, Anta Rasulullah wa kalimatuhu alqaha ila Maryama wa ruhum minh. وَكَلَّمْتَ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِ صَبِيَّةِ اِشْفَعْ لَنَا They will say, O Isa alayhi salam, that you are the messenger of Allah and the word that Allah cast upon Maryam and the spirit from him and you spoke to the people when you were still in the crib, in the, in the uh, cot. So you make intercession for us, but again he will excuse himself without giving any reason. The others, they all gave a reason. Isa alayhi salam doesn't give a reason, but he excuses himself. Lam yadhkur dhamban, but he says, nafsi, 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 ila ghayri, ila Muhammad. So then he tells them to go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam, fayatuna Muhammadan fayakuluna ya Muhammad anta rasulullah wa khatman al-anbiya wa qad ghafara allahu laka ma taqaddama min dhambika wa ma taakhara ishfa' lana ila rabbika. They come to Muhammad and they say, you are the messenger of Allah, you are the seal of the prophets. Allah has forgiven for you what went by and what is to come. So you make the intercession for us. The Prophet says, فَأَرْفَعُ رَأْسِي فَأَقُولُ أُمَّتِي يَا رَبِّ أُمَّتِي يَا رَبِّ فَيُقَالْ يَا مُحَمَّدْ أَدْخِلْ مِنْ أُمَّتِكَ مَنْ لَا حِسَابَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ الْبَابِ الْأَيْمَنْ مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْجَنَّةِ وَهُمْ شُرَكَاءُ النَّاسِ فِيمَا سِوَى ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْأَبْوَابِ So then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, falls in prostration before the throne of Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up to him certain forms of remembrance that he did not know before from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it will be said to him, raise your head and make the intercession and ask and you will be given and you'll be given the intercession. So then he raises his head and says, my nation, my ummah, oh my Lord, my ummah, oh my Lord. And then it will be said to him, go and insert from your ummah, those who have no accountability upon them, from Al-Babil Ayman, from the uh, gates of paradise. That's one. You can see that's specific to the messenger. None of the other prophets did it. They couldn't do it. They all, in the end, sent the people to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We'll quickly just mention the other two and then complete. Al-Shafa'at al-Thaniyah, Al-Shafa'a li-Ahl al-Jannah fi dukhuliya. When all the events of the day of judgment have finished and the people who are going to enter paradise, they arrive at the gates of paradise to enter. But the gates of paradise are closed. So the same thing happens in the hadith. They go to the different prophets and messengers. None of them can do it. In the end, Muhammad does that intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. The third one, what's the third specific Shafa'a to the Prophet Sallallahu 
Ahl Kabair, it's Aam. Other people are going to make that intercession as well. The third specific one, it's slightly trick question. The third specific one to the Prophet is Shafa'atuhu li Ammi Abi Talib. Abu Talib, is he someone who Allah is pleased with? No, we said the condition was Allah has to be pleased with them. So this is an exception that the punishment of Abu Talib will be lightened because of the intercession the Prophet ﷺ made for him. Then the general intercession, those were specific. Then you have the general ones. The general ones are to remove the believers from hellfire uh, and to even prevent some of the believers entering the hellfire who deserved to go to the hellfire uh, and uh, uh, for those to exit from the hellfire and for those to be raised in level uh, from those who are in uh, paradise. There are various other forms of intercession, all the others. They are general to the believers, to the children of the believers, to the angels, all the other types that you see in the narrations. They are not specific to the Prophet ﷺ. They are general to all of the people. That's where we are going to conclude on today then. And inshaAllah ta'ala next week, we'll, we'll try to complete the book next week. The final two chapters are remaining. One is about the khawarij, or before that, there is a... Yeah, one chapter is about the khawarij next week. And the other chapter is about Iman, the murji'ah. So the khawarij and the murji'ah, those two sections will cover those next week and complete this book, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We'll have to save questions for another time. It's prayer now. Maybe next week, insha'Allah ta'ala.